Can we talk about your life and maybe how you should go live it somewhere else? <laughs> It's Friday, May the 4th, Remembrance Day and International Star Wars Day, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrich, journalist, Dutch News contributor and refugee, and with me today are my fellow Dutch News contributor and train hostage, Molly Quell, and Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and healthy living guru. Yes, I'm doing cocaine now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but only on the weekends, right? Only on the weekends, yeah. And have you lost a lot of weight? Um... A lot of fruit, yeah. <laughs> a lot, lot of fruit. fruit. Yeah, I lost a lot of fruit. Uh-huh. He was on a long rant about e-numbers this morning, too, so he's really, like, gotten into the... He's really drank the Kool-Aid. Not yeah. the Kool-Aid. I was I, just annoyed that a truck... The side of a truck... This brings back were, memories to Brexit, I guess. You this, were annoyed, Paul. I was annoyed because... Tell the, us more. Yes, because I was... As I was cycling here, the side of a bus... Uh, side of a truck said, there are no e-numbers in our products. And on the side of this truck, they displayed a photo of an orange. But an orange also has a lot of e-numbers because e-numbers are just a code of chemical ingredients. And I was annoyed by that. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, fair That enough. seems like a thing to fair be enough. annoyed yeah. by. But we also bullied and harangued one of your friends into not eating chips anymore as well, I, know, uh, I saw. Yeah, that, that was an accident. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners what you have sitting in front of your face right now? Coffee. And something yeah. else. A phone. And something else. A mouse. And something else. Gordon. <laughs> and a plate of the fucking dog. shortbread. And a plate of fucking shortbread. But they are Scottish shortbreads. Yeah, which means right. it's really unhealthy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. also, you can pay them to, to wear no underwear and a kilt and wash your windows. <laughs> and move to Canada. But um, you don't get 30% off your... Um, no, no 30% really. Oh, God. And no Dutch passport. passport. <laughs> yeah. And Molly, you were stuck on a train. Uh, or you had some kind of train ordeal. I this, was stuck uh, in, in Brabant for like three hours yeah. last night. It was um, awful. So was the train held up by gangsters trying to get elected to the council? Or yeah, what was basically. Um, yeah. They were protesting being banned from working in Horica. Um <laughs> No, I had a I had a meeting in Tilburg, and so I was trying to come back from this, and there was I don't know some sort of train storing, and I was stuck in Breda, and then stuck in between Breda and Dordrecht, and then stuck yeah. between Dordrecht and Rotterdam. And yeah, well, yes, you, really but you brought to... some reading. I'm saying, when you're in that kind of situation, is a good book to read. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I I really regret not pay. I really regret the tweet storm I went on instead of paying attention to my fellow traveling companions. Because at some point, after I had been tweeting ferociously and slightly drunk last night, um, I sat up to realize the guy in front of me was working on a book, which he was using this sort of, like, book software that I've also used. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I was kind of reading it. It was definitely an erotic novel. Uh, <laughs> poor Astrid, man, was, was really, uh, was was having the experience of her life uh, in this novel. And then, of course, sadly, right after I realized this, the train started moving again, and then the, the writer got off in Dordrecht. So I could only, like, read for, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Oh, so the writer got off in Dordrecht? You need to <laughs> Let me clarify. <laughs> the, the writer uh, did de-embarked <laughs> it's a shame that he didn't caught you but because that would have make, made an excellent plot for his next book for his novel. next book yeah. yes yeah. so I'm very curious to see if the Lonely Mountain Inn is ever published it's and, called uh, the Lonely... it was called the Lonely Mountain Inn I hope I right. hope he's one of our listeners I hope so too <laughs> yeah look out for it uh, yeah. yeah that Avail- would be fantastic available in all terrible bookshops uh-huh. So, Gordon, you brought us some some biscuits. Yes, I've been just gone back from a trip to uh, to, to the UK uh, and uh, came back with some. Uh, I thought bring you back some proper shortbread to see how to show you how it's made. It, it tastes yeah. nothing like. It's very shortbread. The thing that I gave to you guys a few months ago. But it's got were, the proper t- shortbread texture. Yeah. yeah. 
Whereas your, you had these sort of uh, soft shortbreads that you pretended was scones. And this is why I'm not making you guys any more food <laughs> ever again. So, Paul, what is uh, the OPEF of the week? The OPEF of the week involves Remembrance Day. That's of course today. it does. Um, someone... There's an OPEF here where the Tubi started licking me while I'm trying to eat shortbread. <laughs> it's like this erotic novel. Truby and the shortbread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the OPEF of the week involves uh, Remembrance Day. Uh, someone of this protest group called No May 4th for me announced that he was going to uh, protest the national ceremony on Dem Square. He announced that he was going to make a lot of noise during the two-minute silence there. It is his opinion that victims of the War of Independence in Indonesia should be commemorated as well, and not the Dutch soldiers who committed war crimes over there. He has a good point, of course. Seems pretty valid. But uh, people are really offended that he uh, plans to... Um, yeah, do this uh, demonstration during the uh, two minutes of silence, and especially on on Dem Square, where uh, uh, victims and uh, victims of the Holocaust are present, and soldiers who actually fought in World War Two. It doesn't seem like an appropriate uh, time or place to to do his protest. Uh, and also, um, it uh, brings back memories to uh, the Damschewer incident in 2009, when a, a, a person with some mental uh, issues started yelling during the two minutes uh, of silence, and it caused a lot of panic on Dem Square and uh, 69 people uh, were injured then so yeah so we sort of support the message but not mm. the means basically seems yeah. to be the conclusion yes, around yes. here and the mayor um, uh, forbade his presence in the city center so he went to court over this uh, the judge ruled that uh, he is in fact not welcome in the city on uh, may 4th um, he did a counter proposal uh, he uh, proposed to do uh, a noise protest a few minutes before the actual two minutes of silence, but that uh, was rejected by the judge as well. In this week's news roundup, the Dutch government gets battle ready for the EU budget negotiations. There's been a major breakthrough in embryo research, and Max Verstappen once again makes a big impact of the wrong kind in a Formula One race. In our discussion, we'll ask if the Dutch government was right to cut back on the 30% tax ruling. The Dutch government fired a broadside over the European Union budget talks this week, with a strongly worded statement in English describing plans to increase the amount member states pay as unacceptable. In the last round of talks, Prime Minister Mark Rutte negotiated a 1 billion euro rebate, but in the wake of Brexit, the Netherlands is coming under pressure to give this up. Rutte said, quote, Brexit is already set to hit the Netherlands economy hard. This proposal imposes a disproportionately high bill on top of that. Cabinet ministers and MEPs echoed his stance that the overall budget should be reduced after Brexit on the basis that a smaller EU should have a smaller budget. But European officials want to increase member states' contributions to around 1.11% of gross national income. It's currently 1%. Yeah, so uh, despite the United Kingdom leaving the European Union, the incomes is decreased, but they are planning to increase the spending. Well, the amount amount of uh, nations and therefore the amount of uh, expenditure you would think goes down because one large country is left. But yeah, they actually want a to have more net money. Payer. Yeah, yeah, a large net payer. But uh, yeah, I think that's part of the issue that the UK was a net payer. And also that um, European officials, so Juncker and Juncker, saying they need more money to spend on things like, actually things like security and border controls and all the kinds of things. And innovation. The Dutch, yeah, and all the things the Dutch government actually want extra money for yes. and keep going on about. Yes, but we don't so want to pay for it. They don't actually want to pay yeah, for it, yeah. yeah. So the Dutch budget or the Dutch uh, contribution is going up because of Brexit. Uh, yeah. And also because yeah, the, the British were the first country to have a rebate that was negotiated by Margaret Thatcher and then on the back of that the Dutch negotiated a rebate so the EU has basically said 
seen Brexit as a good opportunity to scrap all these various rebates. That yeah, countries and that have. hurts uh, the Netherlands. And that means the Netherlands' well. contribution, which is about seven million a year, will go up to nine or ten million. Yes. Yeah. And another, and another thing is that uh, import tariffs are changed as well. Just you know, the port of Rotterdam imports a lot of goods, and it used to mm. be the case that eighty uh, percent of the import tariffs went to the European Union, and twenty percent of that went to the Netherlands. Uh, but they changed this. Now it will be 90% to the European Union mm. and 10%, only 10% to the Netherlands. So yeah. that is hurting the Netherlands yeah, as well. Yeah, it was well. a big cut in the tax intake. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah, the question is, and what I don't know, is whether Rotterdam is going to get more European support for its uh, infrastructure and... Uh, and uh, innovation, and perhaps, yeah, yeah, perhaps that, innovation, would be, yeah. Uh, that would be useful. Yeah. But, maybe, maybe innovation to stop all the uh, consignments of cocaine coming in from South America. Yeah, as if well. they just tax that, yeah. there would yeah. be so much more income. If they just yeah, tax, they the, yeah, if they just tax the income of the corrupt customs officers who let all these drug shipments right, through, exactly. then uh, that, that would solve the problem, surely. Gordon, we just <laughs> saved the European Union's budget. Perfect. Here you go, uh, Gordon. What's Mark Ritz's beef with farm subsidies? Yeah, so it looks like basically the Dutch are shaping up to be the new Brits in the post-Brexit universe. They're constantly going on about migration and uh, subsidies for French farmers. Now, Rutte basically gave an interview to Der Spiegel in March um, in which he was calling for the EU to raise more money by liberalising its service sector um, and distributing regional funding better rather than just taking more money from the member states. And Steph Block, the foreign minister, also said this week the EU should concentrate on security, migration, climate and innovation rather than agriculture. Uh, Rutter said that there's a lot, still a lot of negotiating ahead. There could be about two years of talks coming up. And when you've got Steph Block on your team, that means you're basically just, just bore all the other parties in submission. I've just gotten okay. bored thinking about that. <laughs> Scientists in the Netherlands have successfully managed to create embryo-like structures from mouse stem cells without any fertilization process. A paper detailing the breakthrough made by researchers at the University of Maastricht in Utrecht was published in Nature. According to Clemens von Blitterswijk, department chair at the Merlin Institute in Maastricht, this research opens up the path to a new biomedical discipline. These model embryos resemble natural ones in that they implement into the uterus and initiate pregnancy. The researchers say that this development may open the door to understanding the first and hidden processes of life, problems of fertility, or the embryonic origin of disease some serious so, sci-fi shit. Yeah, this will yeah. spark an ethical debate, uh, I guess. I'm yeah. sure it will. <laughs> or another alien sequel. Yeah, <laughs> also that. <laughs> Schiphol Airport suffered a power cut in the early morning of Sunday, causing chaos at the airport. Thousands of passengers stranded, 72 flights cancelled and many more delayed. The outage is possibly linked to another power cut in Amsterdam earlier that night and caused the airport's checkout system to fail. As passengers were unable to check in and flights unable to depart, the airport and the border police decided on their own authority to close Schiphol's train station and access roads to the airport. Disruptions lasted until the next day, but on Monday services were back to normal. So why is the mayor mad? Well, um, uh, public safety is the mayor's responsibility, uh, but the decision to shut all access roads and the train station were made uh, without his consultation. So he's mad that they decided that on her, on his own. Yeah, and then so Schiphol is uh, not in Amsterdam, it's in Halimamia. So it's one yeah. of the rare occasions that the mayor of Halimamia actually gets something exciting to do. Yeah. And they didn't bother to call him. But Schiphol's nightmare is not over yet. No. Yeah. Uh, baggage handling personnel will go on strike uh, for two short periods of time on uh, Thursday between 8 and 11. 
Uh, this was announced by the uh, FNV trade union uh, after talks between the union and the airport uh, broke down. Uh, but the airport has uh, announced they took measures to reduce delays for passengers as much as possible. But they're only going to strike for like uh, two times one minute or something. So and that's on Thursdays. So that's during uh, the, the the holiday, during uh, Ascension yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's so no ascensions for the airplane. Yeah, no no ascension. <laughs> the baggage will not be ascending. The baggage no. will not be ascending into the into the sky. No. In sport, Max Verstappen responded to Lewis's Hamilton recent denunciation of him as a quote dickhead as only Max can by crashing into his own teammate during last weekend's Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Verstappen shut the door on Daniel Ricciardo as the Australian tried to overtake him for fourth place, with the result that Ricciardo slammed into the back of Verstappen and both drivers had to retire from the race. Verstappen shut the door on Daniel Ricciardo as the Australian tried to overtake him for fourth place, with the result that Ricciardo slammed into the back of Verstappen and both drivers had to retire from the race. Red Bull team boss Christian Horner said both drivers were equally to blame and ordered them both to go back to the factory and apologise in person to the entire team. But Nicky Lauda and others said that Max was mostly to blame. And Verstappen has now been involved in collisions in three of the season's four races so far and failed to finish twice as a result. Was there any late drama at the end of the football season? Uh, not much. Uh, everything was kind of tied up. But the, the main news was that FC Twente uh, from Enschede were relegated from the Eredivisie after 34 straight years. Um, and that meant that um, uh, Spartak Rotterdam, uh, who are managed by Dick Advocat, uh, will get to at least stay up for, for long enough to play the playoffs at the end of the season. Who, who, who are you talking about? Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Dick Lawyer is able to keep it up? Is that what you're telling me, Gordon? Yeah, Dick Lawyer stayed up. But we know how long for. He might, stay, he might still droop. Yes. Perhaps you need a blue, uh, blue pill. He may need some more blue pills. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was kind of inevitable for Twente, FC Twente, uh, were champions seven seasons ago um, and had big plans to uh, hit the big time and play in Europe. Yeah, they opened a huge stadium. Yeah, opened a huge stadium, but, but, but they, they overstretched themselves badly and um, you know, they ran into financial problems and they've been struggling on and off the pitch for three or four seasons now. They narrowly escaped being demoted a division two years ago because of their financial situation. Uh, they won that case uh, in the courts on appeal, but this time there's no there's uh, there's no reprieve. They'll finishing they'll finish last on the table and they've crowned their demise with a five nil thrashing at the weekend at the hands of Fitessa Arnhem. And there's, there's one round of matches to go uh, for the current season, uh, but there's only one issue to decide, which is whether Pexvola or Adod and Haag will finish in the last playoff place for the chance to play and lose in Europe next season. <laughs> and lose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's inevitable. Happens, yeah, cause the, the team that qualifies with the players always, always loses immediately in the first round. <laughs> According to NOS, around 850 online shops selling bogus products have been taken offline by the Internet Domain Registration Organization, SIDN. SIDN was alerted to the problem by consumer association Consumentabon. Consumentabon found 2,000 websites selling luxury products, including handbags, clothes, and sunglasses, cheaply, which of course turned out to be fake products or the products didn't exist at all. The bogus web shops are popular apparently with criminals who buy up old, unused domain names so they can land high up in search results when customers look for a certain product. Right, so if there's 2,000 of these fraudulent sites, why were only 850 taken offline? Apparently this is like a very extreme action, which is only happens if the website owners refuses to comply with other demands. So I guess they get in contact with them first and tell them they have to take it down or change how they're like marketing their practices and mm. that kind of stuff. And most web shops owners... Some sort of legal uh, yeah. procedure. Yeah, most know. web shops owners comply, basically. Yeah, we'll have to look them up and see if they're registered in Brabant, and if they are, then they're <laughs> usually taken down. All of their logos are just dead horses' heads. <laughs> <laughs> 
In Spaandam, eight-year-old Sophie had the scare of her life when she and her friends went for an ice cream on Wednesday. On their way, they had to stop for an open bridge, and instead of waiting patiently, Sophie and her friends started playing around the bridge's boom barrier. When the ships had passed, the barrier opened while Sophie was still hanging on it, causing her to be lifted into the air. The bridge operator quickly pressed the emergency button so the barrier stopped opening. The bridge system takes a minute to reboot before the barrier could be lowered and all the while Sophie was hanging meters high in the air. Bystanders quickly gathered under her to catch her in the case she'd fall but she was able to clamp herself to the barrier before it was finally lowered and Sophie was safely back on her feet. Her father explained to RTV Noord-Holland that Sophie is keen on climbing trees and is very strong for her age and he added that he wasn't hurt at all and only a little scared. It's unclear if Sophie and her friends eventually got their ice cream or not. That's really the travesty of the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. they didn't get an ice cream. No, they didn't get an ice cream. They immediately went back home, but it's unclear if the, if she got an ice cream later that evening. Mm. Yeah, she yeah. should she should get many ice creams. She should get many. Yeah. yeah, especially I mean because it's, it's, it's a much cheaper day out than going to the Efteling, you know? <laughs> and you're not going to bump into Geert Wilders either. <laughs> it probably has about the same uh, safety <laughs> yeah. regulations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But if we're looking at this, someone made a photo uh, of yeah. this, a bystander, and uh, yeah, it's a spectacular photo. Yeah, it's like a. Uh, a Pippi Longstock episode, actually. Also, it does look like there's a UFO in the background. Yeah, it, which it really does. does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and imagine that because it's the Netherlands, all, lots of people standing underneath would have just been shouting helpful advice, like "Don't let go," <laughs> 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 uh, and, and shouting, uh, "Don't let go," because I need to catch the train. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, we'll be discussing the government's controversial decision to restrict the 30% tax ruling for expats after this word from our sponsors. Do you drive or ride a bike? Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English but aren't sure of just the right wording, M Squared can help you. M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, Contact them at info at msqrd.com. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. Internationals in the Netherlands have been up in arms recently about the government's planned changes to the 30% tax ruling. A change.org petition has garnered over 10,000 signatures against the government's plans to cut the term for which expats are eligible for the tax break uh, from 8 years to 5. So what exactly is all the ophef about? We thought we'd dive into this issue which has caused, uh, fair to say, Molly, so uh, a, lot of, yeah, yeah, a lot of discussion among um, yeah, the expat community po- here. We posted a tweet uh, about this uh, yesterday before uh, before the recording and we got a lot of responses. And people on that, are right? still arguing about it on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should start with just kind of like explaining what it is and like who it's for and how it works. Yeah. Yes. Does anyone have an idea? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. no, no, no okay. one None of us are eligible <laughs> for it. So never, none of yeah. us qualify for it. None but of us qualify yeah. for it. But the, but the rule basically says that the first 30% of your uh, your income is tax exempt for the first eight years after you arrive as an expat if you meet certain conditions. So it's not for everybody. It's not for us, it's for example. For us. No. But if you're a skilled migrant. Um, we're, it, not. we're not. We're not skilled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you're, if you're recruited by an employer, so somebody actually asked you to come and work here, you didn't just turn up looking for work. And if your earnings are above a certain level and you have to 
live more than 150 kilometers from the border before you emigrate. Oh, really? Yeah. So Belgians. So, so most Belgians, Belgians, some Belgians, and some and most Germans will qualify, but not all. Um, and Dutch people who've been away from the country for at least 10 years and then repatriating, uh, they qualify as well. So around 60,000 people altogether qualify to pay uh, have a reduction in their tax bill under this ruling. And there's also uh, there's also a, a secondary component to it, which is this like extraterritorial costs. So if your employer pays for things that are like have to do with your move or international school fees or like exchanging your driver's license or that kind of stuff, that that the employer can pay those costs. And that doesn't count as part mm. of your income. So you don't then pay tax on that, which is can be substantial, especially in the case of school fees. And why was it introduced in the first place? Basically, it's to offset the cost of moving expenses to come here. So the, the argument is that, you know, you, you incur a lot of costs by moving abroad. Um, you have to pay a lot more expensive things here um, and that can range from you know uh, compensating for the fact that your spouse is probably not working that your kids have to go into international schools um, that your mortgage rates are going to be higher all these other things so it was set yeah. to offset that a lot of countries have something like this and I mean, it's probably to make the country more attractive to right. highly skilled yeah, exactly. workers it's kind of a bribe and uh, yeah as, uh, as Molly says a lot of countries do have a similar ruling so yeah, you get into this kind of um, uh, competition between European countries to recruit skilled workers yeah. by offering them some kind of sweetener so and this is a Dutch version. In the blog post that I wrote, which you can go read my 900 word screed yeah. about it, I do have a whole bunch in there about other countries. And so like all of the schemes are slightly different. I mean, Denmark, for example, cuts your max tax rate to 26% for the first five years that you're there. Belgium allows you to not pay income tax on worldwide income, but only income earned in Belgium, which can be important if you have like assets or something abroad, et cetera, et cetera. But most of the rulings of these sort of tax schemes exist for five to six years. So the Netherlands had been an outlier because previously it had been 10 years. Um, so they were already quite a lot higher. They then reduced it to eight. This was a couple of years ago. And they were still a bit of an outlier. And then the government did a bunch of investigation into this tax scheme and said, yeah, I mean, we don't think that it really makes that much of a difference. And so we're going to cut it to five. And now it's the government's plan to scrap this uh, this 30% ruling, um, which is interesting in one way, because on, in, on the one hand, they're trying to make the country as attractive uh, as possible for for foreign companies to mm. come here but I mean when companies come to the Netherlands they also bring a lot of expats I guess and simultaneously they're making it much more unattractive for yeah, them the to, thing. to move it, to the Netherlands. It's kind of curious timing, isn't it? Because just to the point when you know, just, uh, for example, uh, secured the European Medical, the European Medicines Agency after Brexit, and uh, yes, and, uh, they've been quite aggressive in saying that they're, they're looking to recruit companies from from Britain um, to, that want to stay in the European Union. And obviously, these companies employ people who would have qualified under this ruling or who will qualify under this ruling. But uh, the, at the same time, they're making it less yeah, attractive for those employees yeah, to live in the Netherlands. So, and there's kind of two issues at stake here because. The the government had said in the coalition agreement that they were going to move, reduce the number of years that you're eligible from eight till five. This didn't cause a whole lot of all pef, like it didn't really seem to be that big of a deal. But what the government announced, what, last week, two weeks ago mm -hmm. now, that people who qualified for the ruling for eight years are going to have their ruling reduced to five. Yeah. So as of January 1st, 2019, you can only get five years for it. So if you moved here in 2018 and thought that you had eight years, 
Yeah. Uh, you're not going to get eight years. You're going to end up with six and a half or five and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, so basically, there's no transition period. Right. So if you were say if you were six years into your ruling, and you think you've got another two years to go. Suddenly, that's gone. You don't. And you, yeah. you, you, you will no longer have this tax break from from next January. And when they had reduced the ruling a few years ago, when they went from ten years to eight, they had grandfathered in the old people, right? So mm. if you came here for ten years, you got it for ten for ten years. But if you came after the change, yeah. then you only got it for eight. So the reason actually that people are like extremely upset is that they've sort of budgeted their planning for these eight years based upon this tax ruling. And it is, I mean, it, it's very substantial in terms of your take-home pay just mm. for only for the 30% reduction. So this isn't even if your employer is paying for these extra benefits. But then on top of that, if your employer is paying for your kids to go to private school and these kinds of things, that's all now taxed as income. So you then have to like pay income tax on all of this, um, which is hugely substantial mm. um, in most people's budgets. So I completely understand why people are very upset about this and why they want that thing to be changed, right? To say that, like, if you got it for eight years, you should be able yeah. to keep it for eight years. I mean, I think it, it seems pretty clear to me that this is grossly unfair to sort of yank the rug out from underneath people. Yeah, and uh, that is a point that's got everyone incensed. It does seem to just an act of bad faith. Yeah. It? People, as you say, have budgeted, and they've taken out mortgages quite often. You know, mortgages based on, obviously, how much you t how much you borrow is based on how what your net income is, how yeah. much spending money you have. And if you suddenly find you're going to have to pay an extra, say, I mean, I think... Um, someone's calculated that if you earn 60,000 euros a year, you're going to have to pay an extra 8,000 a year on your tax bill, which right. is a substantial sum. It's very substantial. Yeah, and, if you, and that's going to throw out all your budget calculations, um, and suddenly you'll find that you know maybe your mortgage is really stretching you more than you thought it would. Yeah. So, And I will point out on the mortgage thing that, so when we applied for our mortgage, um, you know, we sort of filled in all this paperwork or whatever, and they sent us back the information about the rates. And the in the face-to-face -face meeting we had had with the mortgage advisor, they said the rate was going to be, I don't actually remember, but let's say it was like 3%. It's not 3%, but fine. And then when we got the paperwork back, they said, oh, it's going to be 4.5%. And we were like, wow, that's a substantial difference. So we sort of asked them. And then they were like, oh, well, the reason you would probably qualify for 3% if you were a permanent resident. And I was like, but I am a permanent resident. So when they changed this to say, not that I'm here on a work visa because they just made a mistake when they were filing the paperwork, but to say that I was a permanent resident, we ended up with a 1.7% point mm. interest mm -hmm. rate reduction on really our mortgage, which yeah. is hugely substantial. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is there are there any numbers known of how ma how much money this this will raise for the uh, tax income? Yeah, the government's uh, calculated that it's uh, um, that the measure in total costs 900 million euros a year into the state, and they, their argument is that it doesn't pay for itself in terms of the benefits uh, to the country. And they also said that 80% of people who qualify for the 30% rule aren't using it anymore after five years anyway. But that kind of seems to really argue against their own case because if it's if only 20% are still using it after five years, why can't they just keep funding it for those people who are who are still eligible for it? So if you'd read the 156-page government report. <laughs> on this subject, you would know the answer to that question. Which Gordon. is? Basically, they say what ends up happening is, is that the ruling ends up subsidizing wealthier and wealthier people, basically. So the reason that people don't use it after five years, there's a couple of reasons. One, you move, so you're not mm. here anymore. Two, you change jobs and your new job is no longer like eligible for this ruling. Mm. Or three, something else changes in your life situation. So they noted some things like, okay, you maybe you decide to go back to school or maybe your spouse gets a job. And so like you have stopped working to take care of kids or like there's a whole bunch of reasons mm. for it. Also, I will note that if you come here as part of a couple and, you know, if, 
if thank God we are not. Gordon and I were married and we moved here together. <laughs> uh, uh, and Gordon got the thirty percent ruling. I am not eligible for it, nor would I ever be. So, like, if for example, then Gordon and I decide, and thank God we're not, to have a couple of children, <laughs> and Gordon, we decide that Gordon is much better with kids than I am, so he's going to stay home Which and take care of the kids. True. That is definitely <laughs> that is true, one hundred percent. And so, but but now I have a high, you know, I have a well-paying job, so we say, okay, Gordon, you're going to stay home with the kids. I'm not eligible for the thirty percent ruling. Right. So this is this is the reason that people don't use it for that much longer. And what they discovered basically is that the people who are using it for a longer period of time are usually like even higher earners. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just like subsidizing so the people who need it least, even, basically. even more rich yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and so they said, yeah, this is just not the, the tax cut that we're giving people is just not worth it. Um, yes. And people are um, doing a petition for the government. And yeah. uh, uh, there's also a, uh, a crowdfunding campaign to uh, raise money to bring this to court. Yeah, there was Actually, it turned out he was a Dutch news reader. He, he did send us an email, actually, before he even started the petition. This was two weeks ago or so. Um, basically asking for the government to change the ruling to say people who got it for eight years can keep it for eight years. So what they're not protesting is the cut in general. So yeah. they say, yeah. okay, fine, if you've moved here after the 1st of January 2019, you get it for five. But if you came here before that, you got it and get to keep it for eight. Yeah, so they're asking not to change the, yeah. the rules of the game while you're playing the game. Right, yeah. which seems completely fair. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and they're raising money. Money to to fund a, a legal campaign, basically, in order to uh, to to sue the government. I guess if it yeah. comes to that. Are they not arguing that, uh, that it contravenes uh, European rules? Yeah. Uh, on the, yeah. Which it sort of seems. I mean, I'm not a legal expert, but it sort of seems that like it's kind of unfair to promise people a thing and then yeah. like take that thing away from them. Um, you know, and people have said, yeah, well, tax laws change all the time. And, and that, that is true. But you wouldn't say, for example, you know, the if it, the 1st of January 2018, the marginal tax rate is 30 percent. And in April, the government's like, nah, we're going to raise it to 40 percent. Like, mm. you wouldn't do that, right? No, you you have an understanding that it's going to be that way for a year. If they're going to raise it, they're going to raise it in the following year. So it's a bit of the same concept. But it's not just expats who are upset to this, though, is it? Because uh, the employers' organization, Fiano NCV, are also arguing that it, will, that it will make the Netherlands less competitive and uh, make it harder to recruit talent uh, from overseas, right? But how much evidence is there that this is really a factor in people's decision to relocate? Very little. <laughs> which is this is where this is where the hate mail starts showing up. <laughs> Basically, like we said earlier, it, it it mostly just brings the time frame of the scheme in line to other European countries. Um, so it's not really making a substantial difference. Um, in terms of that. And it turns out that the government did a lot of research on this and most people are not aware of this scheme before they, they move here. Um, mm-hmm. they, they find out mm-hmm. afterwards or maybe during some sort of further part of the recruiting process. So it doesn't really seem like it's a huge determining factor in people coming here. Also, the sort of terms and conditions under which you qualify are quite narrow. So for like a lot of people, like if you if you don't make enough money, if you don't have the right like degree, if you study here and then get a job, if you move here to be with a spouse, like it, like I said mm-hmm. earlier, if you come as part of a couple that only one of you, you know, only the one that's recruited for the job gets the ruling. I mean, there's just like a lot of ways that you don't get it. So most people don't qualify. Yeah, it's it, only a limited amount yeah. of people. Right. Also, on top of that, what a lot of people have been saying is that, well, if I had a job offer for the Netherlands and I have a job offer for Oman where there's no income tax, of course I'm going to take the job offer in Oman, which is not true. And this is basically not true for two reasons. 
it's very rare in one's working life that one is offered to basically <laughs> identical job yeah, offers yeah, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. in two separate mm. countries and that you get to sit down and make a decision based on this. But also like there's a lot of like cultural and, and other reasons that you choose to move, you know, to the Netherlands. Maybe you've always wanted to live in Amsterdam. Maybe you like the fact that you can cycle here. I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of like... Or it might be closer to home. It's easier to fly. Or you love ecstasy. You love ecstasy. Or you're into, you've got good connections with the Brabant underworld. Right. Yeah. Um, or you have an orange inflatable crown. Right. So all of these are other reasons why sort of people move to the Netherlands, which seem to be significantly more important than like this tax break is essentially. And uh, yeah, we uh, we tweeted about this, and uh, we you, you posted a blog on the Dutch News website. What did the readers have to say? Let us read some comments about this. It was uh, it was quite entertaining. Um, so we got a lot of like very extensive comments. Both I wrote a blog post, which which we actually then used on the website, and we got a lot of like very extensive comments, like paragraphs and paragraphs, basically in which a lot of individual people were saying like this was a factor for me in moving here, so we shouldn't scrap it. Hmm. On an individual basis, I am sure that there are people for whom this was a, a, a deciding factor. The problem is, is that you're just, like, not in the majority, basically. Mm. But you're one person. You're not a scientific sample. Right. <coughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, sure it's true that there are some people who are in the situation where they have, you know, they work for, like, Deloitte, and they have two offers, and it's an identical job uh, description, both yeah. for Deloitte, and one is in Amsterdam, and one is in the UAE. And then the, you can say, well, I'm going to make a lot more money in the UAE. On the other hand, I, we actually, so I, so for listeners who don't know, I ended up in the Netherlands because I moved with my ex-husband. And at the time that he moved, we he had a job offer both here in the Netherlands and in Saudi Arabia, where the salary was significantly higher, and there you paid no taxes. And ultimately, we were just like, we really just do not want to live in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you would like to drive a car. I would yeah. Like to drive a car. Also, it oh. turns out we couldn't have taken the dog with us. That was yeah. really the deciding factor because oh, really? you can't right. import dogs. Yeah. So, and, and then drinking beer would have been a bit, a bit more complicated. Yeah, you can well. maybe like smuggle it in and then like drink <laughs> it behind blackout curtains. But like, it's really hard to smuggle a Rottweiler, which is what yeah. we had before, <laughs> into a, into a country that does not want your dog to be there. Anyway, so uh, Manir Kuhn uh, tweeted at us. Cut it out altogether. It's a disgrace. A total con that internationals get tax breaks that the Dutch don't, which I thought was kind of amusing. Um, although he later says in this Twitter thread that he he is not a Dutch person, so I think his name is maybe a bit of a joke. Um, he was the recipient of this tax ruling, but still thinks that it's problematic. Whereas Raoul Alicorn, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, um, said that if you are a talented engineer who brings knowledge and hard work to a country which smartly recognized such a need, you wouldn't criticize this. I got some amusing comments on my blog from someone who sort of like outlined how they, how much this was going to affect their income uh, personally, which I, I think is definitely true and, and, and seems kind of terrible. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it has generated like a su substantial amount of like discussion and, and debate in the international community. Yeah. Understandably so. Understandably, yeah. 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 But ultimately this isn't just a, um, a bribe for individual employees to move to the Netherlands. It's also kind of a underwriting companies yeah. to hire these people yeah. and think, uh, can they not use some of their own capital to, um, you know, to, to, to make to entice people to come and work here if, if they're so valuable to them? So this, this is sort of my point which made me somewhat unpopular, which is that... So to be clear, and before we get any more hate mail about this, I do not think that it is fair to reduce the ruling for people who have it for eight years to five. That mm. seems grossly unfair, and they should change it. However, 
I don't see any evidence that having it at eight years versus having it at five years actually benefits the the government in a substantial way, and that mostly it just costs them a lot of money. And essentially what you said, Gordon, is that the taxpayers of the Netherlands are underwriting the companies that are that employ mostly wealthy people to be able to pay them less money. Like if you you know, it, the salaries here on average are lower than they are in other places. When you compare salaries coming from somewhere else, coming to the Netherlands, it can seem like a bit of a sticker shock, right? That you're being paid in line with Dutch people. Um, and that salary is much lower than it would be if you were maybe going somewhere else. But the way that the system is now set up is rather than just companies paying more money to recruit this talent that they supposedly need, which seems how the free market should work, hmm. the government is underwriting hmm. this. And that I don't see any evidence that this is like doing a whole lot to benefit society, basically. Yeah, and there was also a study uh, done by uh, ICAP, and they found out that uh, 63% of foreign employees um, got no exi- uh, no assistance uh, with school fees, uh, and uh, 80% got no uh, assistance uh, with housing. So yeah, so, so there's no... Yeah, so, so basically, sure. this is kind of case. It really seems that employers are kind of you know, leaning on the, the state to pick up the the extra cost yeah. when yeah. they when they they could be doing it themselves. And the um, lack of assistance with school fees was actually higher higher in Amsterdam, yeah. disproportionately high in Amsterdam, where you think you know that's where a large number of expats go. My suspicion, and I don't know this for sure, is that the reason it's actually lower in Amsterdam is because the age of workers recruited to work in Amsterdam um, are pro- is probably lower than it is so say in the Hague. So they don't have as many kids. That's, true. Yeah. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in our liner notes. You can now send comments, compliments and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, you can subscribe to our feed, give the podcast a rating and share it. My thanks to Gordon Derek and Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we won't be back next week because of the holidays. We will be back in two weeks. Music.